Well, I feel like I need uh, one of those uh, TV um, previously on sermons by Adam, uh, what you've maybe missed in the last couple of weeks. Uh, two weeks ago on, on Resurrection Sunday, we asked the question, where do we go from here? And, and we looked at the Gospel of Mark, um, looked at that resurrection story, and we were invited to ask our own questions about what we will do with the news of the resurrection. Will we remain silent or participate in the ministry of the resurrection? Last week, we talked about the question, what's possible with resurrection power? And, and I kind of mentioned there are a number of stories that happen at the beginning of Acts that are miraculous displays of God's power in the resurrection. There is, you know, people, crowds giving their lives to Jesus, miraculous healings, ground-shaking power, and the miracle we talked about last week was a people together in one heart and soul brought together by Christ. And the challenge that the church is called in this time in participating in healing ministry uh, for the brokenness in the world around us. And so today I want to look more at what it means for us to participate in that ministry of healing, both in ourselves and in the world around us. And so as we uh, come to this message and the text this morning, uh, would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for the opportunity, the privilege it is to be here. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be pleasing to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, the text that um, Chet read for us this morning is out of Acts chapter 3, and so we're actually kind of moving backwards in the story of Acts from where we were in Acts chapter 4 last week. And this is one of those miraculous healing stories that we made reference to. Uh, and, and what Chet read is the ensuing uh, explanation and sermon that Peter gives after he and John have participated in the healing of a lame beggar. The story comes in Acts chapter 3, and I want you to hear kind of the fuller story of what happens. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate so that he could ask for alms, uh, not our family, these money, donations. All right. Uh, Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he, said, and began, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. There's a couple things in this text that are, that are happening. 
The first one is that Peter and John are going about their, their routine of visiting the temple. This is probably not the first time that they have encountered this man at the temple. We're actually told uh, earlier in Acts chapter 2 that uh, the followers of Jesus continued to meet in the temple regularly, or some versions say daily. And so they're visiting the temple, they're worshiping in that place was a regular occurrence. This isn't a one-off situation where Peter and John remembered, oh, it's that time for us to show up at the temple and do our religious duty. This was a habit of theirs of going and worshiping and praying at the temple. We're also told in this story uh, in in verse 3 that the lame man was brought to beg every day. And so with Peter and John coming every day and, and the lame man being brought every day, it stands to reason that this is not the first time that Peter and John see the man at the temple or, or maybe interact with him. The man asks for a handout. He's, he's begging. This is the one thing that he can do without the use of his legs. Uh, as an invalid in that society, uh, he is very limited. He's looking for a little bit of charity. And he comes to beg at the temple because this is where uh, the pious religious folks come. And he's hoping that in their very pious moments of, of coming and, and doing their religious duty, that maybe he can get a little bit of charity. Maybe those coming to look good in front of God might also try to give a handout to do the right thing. But it's interesting that when the man asks for money, we're told in the text that Peter looked intently at him. Makes me think that, you know, there's, there's busyness going all around. There's people coming in and out of the temple. And, and the man probably isn't just asking Peter and John for, for a, a gift, for, for some charity. And yet Peter and John stop. And it says they looked intently at him. They saw him. Not as, I, I, I believe they, they saw him more than just a lame beggar. They saw him as, as an image bearer. As someone worthy of respect. As someone worthy of, of their time. Of, of them stopping and really interacting. Really seeing this man. Really seeing the need. They are looking beyond a temporary fix. They are looking beyond a band-aid solution. And Peter says to the man, look at us. And they see each other. No longer as a, 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 a beggar with head down just hoping for a handout. But lift your eyes and let's look at each other as human beings. They say they don't have any money, but Peter says, what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. And they speak the name of Jesus. Now, this is not intended to be like a, a magical formula or incantation that you just say the name of Jesus and bibbidi bobbidi boop 
whatever you ask now in the next sentence is going to happen. Rather, what they are doing is by speaking the name of Jesus, they are uh, naming the presence of Christ in their midst. One commentator says that a name is an expression of a person's very presence. Peter and John are acknowledging God's power, Jesus' power. They are claiming that resurrection power and realizing that Jesus is already at work in the man's life. They are announcing and bearing witness to the presence of Christ and participating in the healing that is not Peter and John's, but is the healing from Jesus. As we break down this story, like I said, this is probably not the first time that Peter and John have taken notice to the man. They're going to the temple daily. The man's being brought to the temple daily. And so it's not like Peter and John rush in right away at the first glance of the, the, the man and try and save the day. I, I, we followers of Jesus, especially in the West, especially in the American church, especially when we have a lot of privileges, we like to see a need and rush in because we know the answers. We have the solution. We try and rush in and save the day. But I wonder what kind of discernment went into Peter and John's decision to act in this time, in this interaction. What kind of conversations did they have? I also appreciate that Peter and John realized that charity would not address the underlying issue. That a moment of handing them some, the man a couple of coins is a very temporary band-aid fix. The man is in need of healing. He's in need of the, the use of his legs, of, of hearing the good news of Jesus. And this is what they offer. We have to be careful that we don't try to rush into someone's situation and save the day because we know all the answers. Peter and John see this man for who he is as, a, as an image bearer, as one who is created in the image of God. And we need to understand the context in which we live, understand the context in which we are um, entering into with others. Sometimes we try to solve problems that, that really aren't the real root issue, that aren't the, the problem at the bottom. We need to try and understand the problems and issues facing our friends, facing our community. And that involves, you know, talking to people, talking to neighbors, uh, walking up and down the streets, living life, and taking notice, living intentionally with our eyes open to what's going on around us. I have to believe that, that Peter and John, as they went to the temple daily, and, and as the man is begging daily, that a slow plan, a slow thought, uh, analyzing and discerning and praying about this situation is developing over time as, as Peter and, and John are living with their eyes open to the world around them. 
longing to be a part of Jesus' healing work in the world. Sometimes we need to do some research on the, the deeper issues that surround us. And sometimes it's, it's as simple as asking and not assuming that we already know the answer. Uh, a man called the, the church the, the other day and um, he said, I, I, I run by the, your, your uh, building every week. I, I don't know, it might be every day. And he was asking about something completely unrelated to, to really the, the church. He was asking about the pallets out in the parking lot. He wanted a couple pallets. So, they're not our pallets, but yeah, they're fine. Uh, come pick them up. And I said, can I ask you a question? You run by the church every day. Is there some way that we could bless you? Is there some way that we could provide some, some resources or a place for you to is there some way we could benefit you? And he didn't have a whole lot of ideas, but he was just kind of stopped and, and said, but thank you for asking. He was more blown away by somebody stopping to ask, how, you know, how can we bless you? Sometimes we just need to ask those questions to hear what's happening in the world around us and to, assume, uh, to not assume that we already know the answer. When Peter and John then take part in Jesus' healing in this man's life, this physical healing led to an invitation. I love that the text says that the man was jumping up and he was walking, leaping, and praising God. After the man has been confined and, and without the use of his legs for his entire life, I wouldn't get up and just walk around. I'd be excited to use my legs. And so the man is up walking, praising, leaping, skipping, hopping, who knows what all is involved in his celebration. And the crowd is astonished. They want to know more. And Peter and John, because they have opened their eyes, have an opportunity to announce the good news of Jesus the Messiah. Of telling the story, how the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sent Jesus the Messiah who was convicted and, and crucified wrongly and yet through the power of God was raised to new life. I've struggled with all of these texts, especially here at the end of the week. I believe what I've just said about, you know, opening our eyes, not rushing in to uh, save the day and, and, and taking stock of the context around us. But I have to admit that this is a very privileged way of, of seeing the text because I automatically want to put myself in the place of the disciples. As if I'm not the lame beggar as if I'm not the one in need of healing. And yet these other texts from Psalm 4 and, and from 1 John are equally about our own healing, about the fact that we don't have it all together. I've really struggled 
in, in hearing these texts this week. Sometimes we want to attend to the issues of others or we want to attend to uh, the issues in the broader society and not deal with the stuff in our own lives. That at times each of us is the poor, lame beggar. 1 John 3, 1-7 speaks of our adoption as daughters and sons of a heavenly Father who loves extravagantly. And yet there's verse 6 in this, in this scripture that says, No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. And I read that this week and I was like, whew, that's tough to hear. No one who abides in him sins. And no one who sins has either seen him or known him. Now that fuller passage is really about imitating and abiding in Christ. And so sin in this passage, as it is used here, is about continually living in rebellion or failing to imitate and abide in Christ. It's not necessarily in this text about our, our screw-ups and our, our missteps in following Jesus. One commentator says that doing what is right is specifically about loving one another and abiding in Christ, not about general moral uprightness in this text. But it certainly is an invitation to look at our own lives and to not assume that we have it all together. And before we go out to take part in the healing of other lame beggars, we might need to take notice and confess our own limp and our own spiritual poverty. In a moment, we'll be led in a time of confession that we all need to be a part of. We're all invited to confess, to admit, to realize that we don't have it all together. And we are also invited to find healing, to find wholeness in Jesus. And so after we confess our sins, because he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, we will also be assured that healing can happen in Jesus. You know, we're still in the process of rebuilding our routines as we kind of fall into this future. Um, it seems like every couple of weeks our family has to find a new routine as we um, start to move out of whatever this pandemic period is. And maybe one of the parts that needs to be a part of that routine is to just live more aware. To open our eyes to what's happening around us. Perhaps as we go about our routines of work and worship, of school and extracurricular activities, we need to take note of other lame beggars 
of really stopping to see one another and look at root issues that confront our neighbors, friends, and family, and ourselves. Not just for a moment of pious charity that continues cycles, but that looks towards a a holistic healing connected to Jesus. In these next moments, we will uh, hear familiar words to many of us, um, but it is an opportunity for us to reflect on grace that is far greater than all of our sins, far greater than the challenges we face, uh, far greater than uh, the challenges that confront our world, is the grace of Jesus. Would you receive the sending? May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you, wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go in peace.